good? You're listening to Wasted Radio. My name is Matt, and today I have Rob Fusco of Take Life, Most Precious Blood, and One King Down on the show. He was in some other projects, too. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk all about Rob and everything that he's done. We have a great conversation. It's a really good episode, so I hope you stick around and check it out until the end. But before we get into that, I just want to talk a little bit about this show and what it's kind of turned into and you know what we plan on doing in the future i've been talking to some other people we have some plans and everything like that it looks like i'm going to knock uh first 50 episodes out which we're still in the middle of so i don't want to get too ahead of myself here there are some big plans in the future hopefully video um unfortunately if we move to video it looks like it's going to be a little bit different different of a format of a show the show is kind of built around the audio format and the radio style format so i don't really want to lose that so i'm kind of in this process right now where i'm trying to figure out uh what it's going to turn into eventually i kind of i want to do something that differentiates it from other shows haven't figured it out yet, still in the works, but just so you know, we're working hard over here. I have a lot of people that are going to be coming on the show, and it's a really cool list. I mean, seriously, I, I've got some really interesting people uh, that want to come on, and we have some great topics to talk about, but really, um, you know, one of the most important things about this show is that I mean, I'm sorry if you're listening, but I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for me. This has become kind of like a therapy blanket of a show for me. Um, When I started it, you know, I wanted to get people to support labels, support bands, buy merch, buy physical copies of albums and all of that. And we don't want to lose that. Take Life. um, The album is called You Are Nowhere, and you can buy it at Translation Lost Records. And we talk about that in the show. But the point that I'm really trying to make right now is that... um, you know, this has turned into something where I have this opportunity in front of me to pull from the internet uh, all of these different voices and all of these different people who have influenced me over the years and have these conversations with them. And even like um, off of the recording, uh, have these moments with them where I'm able to share with them like specific instances of how they impacted me. Uh, as a musician or how they influenced me or whatever. And I'll tell you what, it's really given me uh, a new kind of appreciation and passion for what hardcore is and what hardcore is supposed to be. Hardcore is this scene of people who know one another and care about the music and they care about one another. And that's great. But hardcore is also supposed to be this place where we can all get together, share things that we love, communicate with each other, get to know each other, make friends through friends, give each other opportunities, put each other up, uh, not drag each other down, not drag each other through the mud, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I've been feeling really, really positive about wasted radio in general, And I just, uh, if you have stuck with me this long, if you're listening to the show, um, you are also extremely influential. You are also my hero. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Um, I do want to get into the topic of the show today. And the topic of the show is Rob Fusco from Take Life and Most Precious Blood and One King Down and Recon and just all of these awesome influential bands. Um, You know, One King Down wasn't really my era. I didn't get into One King Down until way later. Uh, Most Precious Blood was my era. And when I came up, uh, Most Precious Blood was a huge band. And they were extremely influential for me for, um, you know, what I wanted in like a metallic hardcore sound. Um, I was 
just jamming these albums every single day to have the opportunity uh, to be able to be, you know, be friends with somebody like Rob and just connect with him. You know, it's really, really cool. He's doing a project now called Take Life. Um, We talk about it in the show, so I don't want to give you too much preamble. You want to listen to this episode. It's a really good episode. And Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. It was great to have you on and have a cool conversation with you about this. I'm so glad that we could hype this album because the album is awesome. The album is called uh, Take Life. You are nowhere. And before we get into the interview, I'm going to play the opening track off of this album, Buckle Down, because it's fucking hard. This song is by Take Life. It's called Eucharistic Threat.
you're on Wasted Radio here with me, Matt. I'm here with Rob Fusco of Man. Well, uh, Take Life currently mm-hmm. and Most Precious Blood, One King Down, Fires and Floods, Recon. I think you were in at one time. Is that correct? Yeah, I was in that band for like eight or nine years. Or something. Okay, so we're going to have to talk about that um because because i have some recon memories and i honestly don't know if you were there for them um but uh before we jump into everything sure um our paths have actually crossed before and it was it was when i was 15 um and i actually pulled the ticket out of uh, my collection today i don't know if you can see this but it's hate breed most precious blood chaos this was in state college pa um I was a teenager it watching Headbangers Ball. At, it was at Crowbar, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that show. Um, and fucking uh, Merciless had just came out. Uh-huh. Um, you guys were on tour with all these bands and the runner-up for Battle for Ozfest, I think it was. And that yep, it was uh, Mantis and Gizmachi. Yes, yes Mantis. Um, and that show was one of my first... I think my first big hardcore show um, other than like our local and regional shows and shit. And I mean, sure. obviously, you know, like that, what that impact has on like your first big hardcore show, um, you know, but, uh, and, and here I still am obviously like poorly addicted, but uh, anyway, I just wanted to <laughs> say up front, like, you know, our, our paths have crossed before I met, um, you met a much younger me and I met a much younger you and uh, you know, just off the cuff. You can MP- say that again. Yeah. Yeah. MPB uh, had a very profound effect on me as a musician, a guitar player and uh, stuff oh. like that, you know, so I'm very appreciative of the, the bands you've been in, especially most precious blood. That was my era. And like one of my favorite bands when yes. I was growing up and stuff like that. But anyway, um, thank you so much for coming on. And now, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, we we had been discussing microphones and pre-production stuff like that. Um, sure. So really this uh, Take Life record that you're mm-hmm. on now. So, yeah. you know, who are you in this band with? Where are you guys based out of? What's the story? So currently <clears throat> it's just me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Rafe, uh, Rafe stepped back. He uh he had different ideas and uh, and wanted to take things in a different direction. So now I'm the uh, I'm the lone member. Uh, well, maybe I can't I can't necessarily let the cat out of the bag just yet. But I, I do have a couple other musicians lined up, uh, you know, so that we can eventually play some live shows and sure. write another album. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't want to, you know, say too much too soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah, Rafe stepped stepped away uh and yeah now officially like i'm you know mine mine is the only signature on anything right now so okay okay yeah and and uh, there's no bad blood i mean uh we just had a you know some some different ideas about how uh a band should be run and about the aesthetic uh so on and so forth i mean i uh like he himself put it like you know this band is my baby you know i've I've been i i've been ideating it you know the the name, the concept, the artwork, the photography, which is mine as well, mm-hmm. um, for years and years and years. So, I finally uh, had the means to, you know, kind of make it happen. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad that Rafe was involved. Like he, 
is one of my favorite guitarists, hands down, just incredible, incredible musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, uh, the privilege was mine to get to work with him. And, uh, you know, I don't discount the, the possibility of working with him again in the future. It's just, you know, it's, it's up to him. Really. Sure. But, sure. But that being said, yeah, we've got some, some folks lined up, uh, and you know, with luck, I'll be a yelling person, uh, in front of, in front of a live crowd with these jams. That's awesome. Um, so you guys have not performed live. No, no, we, uh, we are as of right now, only a studio band. Mm -hmm. Um, so how did the project come about? So I would say that my writing, uh, and like kind of my idea collecting, uh, had reached a, a critical mass. And I was like, even right now I'm sitting on like notebooks and notebooks worth of stuff, like unused stuff that, that I would be proud to, to publish today. But, but it got to the point where I just, I had so much straining against the yoke, like, you know, just trying to, to get out. I took the initiative and reached out to Rafe and asked him if he'd be interested in, you know, uh, doing an album. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said yes. And within, you know, uh, a couple of weeks, he, he had already begun like pre-production uh, stuff, kind of fleshing out what would be the 12 songs that are on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so from there, <clears throat> uh, I think it was, yeah, in the summertime of 2020. And by November 1st, we were in the studio uh, in beautiful, I mean, beautiful Belleville, New Jersey, uh, uh, with probably one of my favorite people uh, in in music right now, uh, or or at all ever, uh, Randy LaBeouf. He's uh, he's one of my favorite musical people uh, in the entire. No, Randy is a a producer. He's a he's a bassist, a keyboardist. Okay. I mean, he can he plays everything. He's like this. Uh, you know, he's like a, an idiot savant without the idiot part. Yeah, does he <clears> play bass on the album? He plays bass on the album. Okay. He absolutely does. Uh, and then um, Matt Guglielmo plays drums. <clears throat> and, you know, we kind of flesh out the ideas in in pre what, you know, we kind of wanted to happen. But I think he was ultimately given kind of free reign, uh, you know, to do what he felt was tasteful and, and uh you know, what he thought sounded good. Like he's uh, an incredible, incredible drummer. Like I can't mm-hmm. say enough good about him and about Randy, uh, both as musicians and as people. Was the, was the situation such that you guys kind of demoed probably with like fake drums and then you put it in a studio position where you have a session drummer and you're like, all right, it's, can you color this up and, and, you know, make it more live alive? Yeah, we uh, we pre-proed with, um, you know, with, uh, you know, electronic drums or what have you. <clears throat> and then we actually went in uh, and tracked everything to, you know, that framework with like, you know, with uh, electronic with like, you know, fake pre-pro drums. Sure. And then after everything was tracked, did Matt go back in and track live drums? Yeah, there's a lot of bands that do that now. Yeah, that seems to be the way. I mean, the the old way is, you know, you you lay down your rhythm section and stuff, and then your scratch guitars, and then you just punch in all your stuff, and then, you know, at the end, the vocalist comes in and does his thing, and everyone fucking stands there. 
and stares mm-hmm. at the the vocalist and everything gets real weird now. Yeah. <clears throat> but no, we were um I was tracking vocals from like day one, mm-hmm. you know. Uh so I I think it was very rare that I would take a day off. We were there for I think 31 days. Yeah, and you can alternate too nowadays between vocals and um guitar tracking and stuff because you don't necessarily have to worry about like mic movement in front of speakers and um did you notice any like major differences in like tracking guitars from i mean obviously there's major differences but like what what are some major differences that you notice between like tracking guitars in 1998 for instance compared to now and the way that you can do that you know with like versatile between doing vocals and you know what i'm getting at yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that the uh, the expertise and understanding now is such is so high and uh, is so efficient. Uh, everything is so much more streamlined and kind of <clears throat> easier to uh, to get done. I think mm-hmm. you can kind of render your vision uh, fairly accurately, fairly quickly these days. Whereas you know. 500 years ago we had to like you know go through multiple processes and you know uh, now everything is like solid state and you can uh, you can do basically whatever you want get any any sound you want uh, oh yeah yeah for sure <clears throat> and we, have, we did like live amp stuff and then reamped it but that's awesome i i was just talking to somebody else about reamping the other day because i've never done it um but i want to so bad after hearing just some of the stuff that like I, I know people have like recorded at their computer, like at their desk, and then they send it off to get reamped or somebody, their friend reamps it for yep. them. And it just comes out sounding like top, top notch studio quality. It's very easy to get uh, some really good sounding stuff. Uh, you know, it, it, before it used to be like you had to see like really high end people with like this, you know, massive Trident board. Uh, and you know, you had the option to like track on two inch tape or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And now it's just like, you know, and no, I, I don't know of many people who even use pro tools anymore. Now it's yeah. just logic, logic pro X, you know? Really? Uh, yeah. And I was glad to have done all of my, my pre pro stuff in uh garage band, which is basically yeah. logic. It's like logic light. I call it logic so, light. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, man. <clears throat> so that's uh, that's it in a nutshell. Really, it's way easier to do what you're imagining, and you know, it's uh, it's really streamlined and super easy to get a good sounding, uh, you know, product. Well, the quality of the album is just crystal clear. I mean, it's you know what I mean. It's superb quality. Sure. It really is. Well, I credit Randy LaBeouf. He uh, he's. I, and I, I'll say it till the day I die, like he's the best dude I ever worked with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, <clears throat> you know, he's uh, he's modest and kind uh, and and really, really sweet. But God damn it, does that dude know what he's doing? Yeah. It, it is unreal. Yeah, it sounds he, like it. Seamless. Like his, he has this incredible fluency with the software and he speaks in a musical language. Mm-hmm uh and can play like he mm-hmm. he understands music theory he has all of the tools in place to just create uh you know from from concept to finished product super efficient 
super fast and really, really accurate. And, Mm -hmm. and he has this, this sense of tone and mood, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some, some producers or some, you know, engineers slash producers are like, uh, I think, I think they're too focused on the technical elements or, you know, being brutal or whatever. And that's all well and good, but Randy has this deep soul and he brings a lot of himself to each album he he produces mm-hmm. and they're starting to it's it's starting to kind of create like a pattern like a trademark sound and I think it's really distinct and it's incredible to uh to have worked with him i'll have to uh check out some of the other albums that he's produced because i like listening to that kind of stuff and like hearing somebody's sound i know exactly what you're talking about so mm-hmm. um, i'll definitely look into him more so um did this happen over covid at the end of covid or you know <clears throat> so this was uh i finally reached out to rafe like i said around uh summertime 2020 uh so yeah it was uh it was right in the thick of it okay I mean, I think a lot of us were, you know, I was definitely doing musical projects um, at that time. I had, I, I joked with my wife. I've said that I've told this on the podcast like four times. So whoever's listening, I'm sorry, but I've, I, <laughs> I told my wife um, that if they shut everything down, that I would become a SoundCloud rapper, like joking. <laughs> Cause I didn't think, I didn't think for a second that things would get shut down. Sure. Yeah. So boy, was I wrong. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, me and, yeah, me and a couple friends made a mixtape. So I, I love to, it. I had to eat my words, but you know, like we had these, we had these days where like me and three of my homies were like, just all at home texting each other. And we we're like, listen, like we all have garage band or logic or whatever. And we all have the ability to like record files. So we started making beats and sending them back and forth to each other. And before you know it, it turned into something. And then, then I think like eight months into it, we started actually playing instruments. <laughs> like oh, making, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, um, well, you got to do something, you know, you have to, yeah. you have to, uh, stay busy. You have to keep the mind going. And for, for a lot of people and for, you know, for myself, um, you know, speaking from my corner, for sure. I, you know, the creative energy never stops. It has not stopped. And I I don't think it will, at least until like I start slowing down in my decline years, you know, where, and even, and even then, okay. Uh, it's, it's always, always going. The engine Mm -hmm. is always running. So, uh, yeah, it's, it makes sense that, you know, for people like me, it was a, an ideal circumstance. I mean, obviously not an ideal circumstance for humanity, but mm-hmm. uh, for for people who were driven to, you know, create. Okay, you have a ton of free time, uh, and just you know, you have this opportunity to to record, to write, record, take advantage of it. Yeah. So you uh, you definitely took advantage of it. Um, now, I like think so. Yeah, you definitely did. I mean, you got you put out a banger album. Um, I want to talk about hmm, because I have I have questions for each of the each of the bands you've been in, and I'm I'm looking at uh, most oh, yeah. precious yeah. most precious blood. Let's let's dive back into most precious blood for a little bit. Why not? Yeah, let's go. So, first of all, um, 
my era, most precious blood when I when I started my going to shows and everything like that was merciless. And Shark mm-hmm. Ethic was on Headbangers Ball and oh, yeah. everything was good. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you like place yourself at that point in history, like it's 2005, everything is good. Everything um, is good. So kind of. There's 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 some things that are out of our control as always that are going on, but everything for the most part is good. Um, so then I kind of missed the whole Our Lady era. And uh-huh. like I always liked that album. Um, but and I get I I argue with people over which one was better, Merciless or Our Lady. And I'm like, listen, it depends on when you found most precious blood, fair. because they're both banger albums. That's but fair. But Merciless was played like in my house every single day. Yes. Man. Our La- you know what I mean? Our Lady was not. Uh, Damage Control Freak is one of the greatest hardcore songs ever written. And I'll, I'll argue oh, that man. to anybody. Dude, no, it is so hard. But um, so like, I honestly don't really know like the story of what kind of happened, though. After that album, you guys toured for a couple years and then I don't, I, there's a, there's a gap there. I know there was a member in the band that was involved in politics and stuff like that. And I'm sure that detracted from, you know, what the band was doing. And then you guys reappear in 2010 with do not resuscitate, which is weird because I actually was on discogs today looking at those albums. And I was like, I was like, Whoa, do not resuscitate is like, 12 years old holy that, shit. yeah that, that <laughs> album that album is 12 years old it's you know so that's crazy that's a new album to me honestly like it feels like it anyway but um well, so yeah because it didn't it didn't get shit for press like nobody i don't think many people even knew it came out no it was very under the radar like yeah, I, I wonder i wonder why i don't know why and and yeah. that's kind of like that's kind of what I'm getting at is, you know, there's like these gaps in, in most precious blood from then to do not from merciless to do not resuscitate to reemerging it. Uh, this is hardcore. Um, you know, so, so tell me a little bit about this story. Well, I think following merciless, we, we toured pretty aggressively. Uh, we were out for a long, long time, uh, and they were not like brief tours, you know, we, no, you guys were constantly going. That's correct. Uh, you know, and that's what we needed to do in the moment. Like we, you know, it wasn't something we wanted to do. It's something we had to do. We were just, Mm. we, we wanted to do, uh, we wanted to play shows. We wanted to be out in front of people and it's not, it wasn't ambitious. You know, we weren't like, uh, driven by the desire to take over the world we were just hungry, you know, we wanted to get out there and absolutely lay waste to it, you know? <clears throat> so I think that approach certainly contributed to our, you know, burnout later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I think, uh, you know, Justin got into, you know, New York city politics. Uh, Colin moved to Australia to be with his wife. Uh, Matt moved back to Atlanta, Rachel moved to the West Coast. So it's like, you know, all the Voltron lions went back to their caves. You know? Yeah, I've had it. <laughs> so it was kind of difficult. I think... Um, and you're located in where? Uh, at that time, I was in Philadelphia. Now I'm in central Massachusetts. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, I, I moved around quite a lot. I was, you know, <clears throat> I was born in Albany, New York. I was going to say you're from Albany, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, <clears throat> I'm from a small town called Mechanicville, New York. Okay. Yeah. Uh, once featured on, I think, The Daily Show. Uh, What's your claim to fame? That's my claim to fame. Yeah, I'm, from, <laughs> I'm, I'm from Mechanicville, uh, once visited by Steve Carell. Uh, so, and then I, you know, I lived in Albany, I lived in Brooklyn, uh, worked on Manhattan for a while, uh, lived in Philly, lived on the main line in PA, uh, Norristown, uh, Audubon, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I'd considered moving like out to the Pacific Northwest or like, you know, someplace, uh, someplace in the States that I, that I liked, but <clears throat> I, uh, I ended up in Massachusetts, uh, attended, uh, school for massage therapy. And now here I am, you know, running my own business here, just, uh, just doing the damn thing, man. But anyway, yeah, we all kind of like developed our own lives outside of the band. And none of us were ever in the same room when mm-hmm. we recorded DNR. Oh like, yeah. It was, it was done completely over the internet. And uh, I didn't even think anybody rehearsed for that. Really? Album. <laughs> yeah. We just, we just wrote remotely, mm-hmm. uh, tracked remotely and then just glued it all together. And I think that, I mean, that kind of comes through in some way, I mm-hmm. think uh it doesn't have the same kind of cohesive vibe the same energy as like merciless i think that was our peak i don't know i mean i thought the album was good for what it was you know um i thought i i had my hopes up that you guys were gonna like get back together and like be touring again and stuff so i was kind of like upset about that but you know i'll give you shit right now for that <clears throat> that's totally fine Come on, man you know? what the hell and <clears throat> and i would you know i'm not a, i'm not you know opposed to the idea uh but I think right now everyone's just too far spread out. And, oh, yeah. you know, if, if, if we were uh, to get together, it would be, it would take something, you know, it would take an, a monumental effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I said, we, we are scattered across the globe right now, quite literally. Yeah. So, um, well, you know, it was really, really cool to see you guys at this is hardcore. Um, I mean, I was right up front you know, just getting pounded and shit. And like, <clears throat> yeah. So, so you saw me, so you saw me get injured. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you were up front, you were right there. It was like 10 minutes in the set. Yeah. And it was an, uh, it was an epic set nonetheless. Um, and that was a great year for this is hardcore too. That was a great room. I agree. No, it was a lot of fun and there was a ton of energy. It was great to see, you know, uh, friends and family. Uh, every year like that that fest is is so much fun yeah <clears throat> and i'm i'm glad actually that the vibe was what it was because you know when i was hurt i had to lean on a whole bunch of people <laughs> you know i i had a i had a complete achilles tendon rupture you know i didn't know it was that bad dude it was awful like that i couldn't <laughs> oh like you, yeah you saw me limping around like yeah yeah it uh it felt like somebody had hit me with a bat and I looked around yeah. like who the who the fuck hit me right and I tried to stand up and could not stand up yeah. you're just it, like you're like shit man now I got to play this show like well see it, it wasn't even like I lamented needing to play the show I I considered my options uh I said okay well here's a you know here's a here's the choice I have I'm really hurt 
I know that much. I don't know the extent, but I know I'm really hurt. I can either stop playing and then go to the hospital or I can keep playing and then go to the hospital. Either way, I'm going to be <clears throat> hospitalized. I'm going to yeah. be, I'm, gonna, I'm in trouble. So I said, okay, fuck it. You know, uh, I just bit the bullet and it was intensely painful. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah the entire set was just brutal. I, ho- I was hobbling along on this dead foot. It really felt like there was just no foot at the end of my leg. It was really, mm. it was really bizarre. So <clears throat> it taught me a lot uh, in, in many ways, but I also was leaning on a number of people and, you know, people yeah. with whom I, with whom I was close and, you know, friends, uh, and, you know, even people I didn't know, you know, I was just leaning on people, sure. uh, trying to get through the set. <clears throat> and that I think was more, uh, profound than if we had like a completely flawless set and everything went incredible and, you know, thank you. Good night. And then we left. Yeah. And that was that. And so I think it was more, it was more profound for me in that way. And that it kind of drove home the point that this is, this is what we're there for, you yeah. know, uh, you know, we're, we're there for each other. Uh, yeah. And to like, you know, kick out the jams and freak the fuck out. But you know, mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, uh, you know, we're, we're there for each other. By did you, uh, you went to the ER afterwards then? I sure as shit did. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> oh, and at the end of that set, uh, there was a you know massive pylon, and somebody jumped off of something real high and landed me first on the top of my head and knocked me out cold. Hmm. And I remember Rich Thurston was like, <laughs> I, I remember trying to yell and then being surrounded by people. And next thing I know, I'm waking up and Rich Thurston like has me, you know, <laughs> yoked up trying Pulling to. Pulling you up like. Dude. No, he's like he's like propping my you know my body up so I can. You know, so I'm not hitting the deck too hard. And you know, thanks, thanks, Rich, if you're listening. I, I so owe you, you one, pal. Were you in the ER all night? I sure was. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the things we do for hardcore. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, so you were also in this band that uh, people may know called One King Down. That's correct. And uh, I mean, legendary band. Another big. This is hardcore reunion show too oh yeah yeah that's um, right and uh you know i i mean i don't know there's so much to say about that because you were part of such a big large legendary hardcore scene in the albany area mm-hmm. you know um i just wanted to hear i mean do you have any cool stories or uh you know the the bands you played with the shows you got to play back then the tours oh. you went on Jeez, man. That's... Yeah, I know that's a really, <laughs> that's, really that's a broad place to start. Let's start right. with bands. Let's start okay. with bands. Uh, what were some of the bands you were playing with in that area at that time? Well, I think, uh, first off, let me say that to have come up in such an incredible and rare uh, scene, you know, uh, we were, it, it was like right place, right time. <clears throat> we, you know, I, I felt super lucky and I still feel super lucky to this day to, um, to have been there and to have been a part of it. Legendary and scene. It's just incredible. Like, you know, I look around now and realize fully that I was, I grew up spoiled rotten. Yeah. Like every weekend shows were like five, 600 kids and it was, and everyone was losing it. And everybody knew everyone for the most part. And, you know, 
shows were, I think, more much more violent mm-hmm. back then. But it was, you know, I'd say like 90, 95% of it was just catharsis, mm. uh, not not ill intent. Well, and you say too that um, everybody knew everyone and there was all those people. And like at this time, all of those people are in that area and then they moved all over the world. That's right. And, you know, now, you know, hardcore people like all over the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, has there been a movie made about this scene? Because like uh, I've heard so much about the Albany scene back in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't really know. I don't go outside much. I don't pay much attention. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's there's a reason we called it Smallbany. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, like, everybody uh, knows everybody. And, yep, and then the the venue was um, QE2, Queen Elizabeth II was QE2 on Central Avenue. It was like the CBGB of mm-hmm. upstate New York. Um, and so some of us, uh, some sometimes it would get a little dramatic. We would call it uh, 90 QE2. <laughs> no, uh, but be that as it may okay yeah it was uh we were really really lucky like we saw some incredible shows uh and it was diverse uh we would have bands like you know uh mad ball downset dog eat dog shift 108 you know just uh, uh autumn uh cannibal corpse crowbar uh, sheesh man like uh, brutal truth uh yeah getting to see scott lewis play drums live was bonkers um internal bleeding uh and and death metal was huge mm-hmm. in, in upstate new york at that time as well um, and you saw a lot oh, of cool old school death metal bands too. a lot of really cool old school death metal uh and i absolutely love death metal yeah uh death metal slam grindcore you know but and actually yeah. uh, an- anecdotally uh i think it was internal bleeding that took the phrase like brutal slamming mosh and put it on a shirt uh because the promoter uh you know the main promoter of of the albany area the capital district uh, his name is uh Ted Etoll, E-T-O-L-L. And he was like, you know, this kind of, uh, he was a great promoter, always treated everyone really, really well, but had this knack for marketing. Mm-hmm. And so he would create the flyers. And I think it was, I think it was internal bleeding or I, I'm not sure, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but he built it, you know, brutal slamming mosh, right? And this was like 93, 94 or whatever. And so they, the band saw the flyer and liked it so much that they put it on a shirt. Mm-hmm. And from that moment on, the term slam was coined. There you go. So That's awesome. I don't know. I don't know of any instances uh, of that prior. And if anybody knows, please let me know so I can be edified. It's the um, internet. So you it's know. the internet. <laughs> but yeah, we, we would see bands like, like all the time, uh, dissolve yeah. from Poughkeepsie. Jesus Christ. I, I love that band and Paul, the patented Paul Freakout. Yeah, I, dude, I absolutely love that man and his his stage presence. I I like. I wanted to be him and Jet from Sam Black Church so bad. <laughs> yeah, we got to see. Yeah, we got to see Sam Black, uh, Candiria, Bloodlet, uh, you know, Ringworm, uh, Starkweather played there all the time. Uh, 
you know, Stark you're Brothers dropping such, massive. You're dropping such heavy hitters. Well, you yeah. Know? And and then this was, th- we just called that a Saturday. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Was, and you uh, look back now and it's like just major fucking like Candiria in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> cool. for real. Dude, it, it, there was there was nothing like it. There's yeah. absolutely nothing like it. The energy in the room, you know, especially when, you know, the vibe was right and everyone was packed in and the band was on and everybody was super hype. There's just, there's nothing I can say that, that could convey that vibe, that, that memory and that feeling of being in that room at that time. How about like obituary? Oh yeah. Yeah. So obituary, uh, grave. Such a dope time to see obituary. It was, who was it? Uh, obituary grave and was it was it cannibal corpse yeah i don't know that's dope yeah i you know and we got to see one of george fisher's first shows with cannibal corpse oh that's cool uh upstate we were like all right let's see who this guy is and what you know and what's what and he came out and just murdered the place we were like holy fuck yeah chris barnes who this dude is the (laughs) this dude is the angriest motherfucker on the planet I know. And we and we immediately love him. Did you hear uh, that album that he just put out? I haven't heard it, no. Like Jamie Josta produced an album with him uh no. just solo. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, it's just I mean, anything you throw that guy on, he just I don't understand how the sound emits from him like Dude, exactly just, what it is, you know. He's got that nerd rage. Yeah. <laughs> got that nerd rage it's he's, he's awesome and he's a total sweetheart as well from uh from all accounts uh so that's that's fantastic yeah uh but then uh yeah we like one weekend it would be like <clears throat> cannibal corpse grave and samiel and then mm-hmm. the next weekend it would be like into another mm-hmm. i'm like what the fuck this is incredible you know right uh but we didn't we didn't know how good we had it yeah it was just we were just spoiled rotten. So, uh, um, when you so, were playing these shows too, we're, you're in One King Down at the time. What are some of the uh, bands that you're playing with? A lot of the bands that you're mentioning. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know we played played quite a bit with Earth Crisis. Uh, I think there has to be some kind of. Oh wait a minute, hold on one second. I'm like I'm sending this. Uh, I'm sending this stuff out to a friend of mine in Germany who does old hardcore flyers. I have this like massive folder. Oh, cool. Full of old hardcore flyers. You know, somebody in our area, um, my friend Chris, actually, um, he just started an Instagram page not too long ago. And he has like something like 90 old flyers from shows in years past, just like this. It's crazy. You nerds hang on to this stuff. <clears throat> these is this I'm your collection that. yeah yeah this is stuff that i have from like like the 90s that's invaluable uh, so, <clears throat> dude that's crazy look at, this is from 1995 <laughs> that's so awesome uh let's see what we got <clears throat> so oh my goodness friday june 9th it was one king down cutthroat and threshold i have no idea i mean cutthroat was like you know well known there mm-hmm. um who the hell else Snapcase Donuts Brothers Keeper. Wow. Uh, in, okay. Internal Bleeding, Afterbirth, and Malamore. Who the fuck is that? Uh, Tad, Clutch, and Withstand. Oh, my God, dude. 
uh, withstands Section 8, One King Down, Threshold, Throwback, Burning Human, and Politics of Contraband. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Uh, <laughs> and then I have a lot of like old European flyers and stuff. And uh, who the hell is this? We have to play with Eyelid on the West Coast. Um, what's this? We got to play with VOD a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been something. That's really cool. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. They're they're really, really nice guys. Uh, Tim always treated me like gold. In fact, it's through Tim that I got to work with, you know, my vocal coach. We had the we had the same vocal coach. Oh, cool. Yeah. Don Lawrence, Upper West Side, New York City. Um, yeah, it was like Tim, me, uh dudes in the misfits, Christina Aguilera, Bono uh lady gaga your vocal mick coach Jag- was bono's vocal mick jagger, coach. And mick jagger. jagger. yeah that's yeah, so yeah. cool yep his name is uh don lawrence he's yeah. one of my favorite pieces one of my favorite dudes uh so yeah it was it was like vod fahrenheit fahrenheit 451 cast iron hike a rise from boston yeah uh and then devil may care dudes and dissolve and withdrawn uh a day in the life they toured i think they toured with vod a lot uh and then voice of reason <clears throat> don't even say it uh <clears throat> uh grade jesuit uh withdrawn oh shit dude but yeah we got to play with you know so many awesome bands uh some of all fears reach the sky etc um what the hell who was it in in Salt Lake City, was it? No, 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 no. It wasn't Salt Lake City. It was um, in the Pacific Northwest. Somewhere. I think it was. <clears throat> uh, was it Seattle? We played a basement show, and it was like Trial, One King Down, Harkonnen, and I think Botch played that played wow. that show. And I think, or maybe maybe they didn't. I don't I don't quite recall. I think maybe I don't know. I'm like I'm old in my memories going memory is the second thing to go um what's the first i forget get it all right anyway <laughs> and then the the singer dad of Har- jokes all dad, day. well yeah i qualify <laughs> um the singer of harkonnen broke the only light in the room with his face nice <laughs> that was that was awesome uh who the f- i mean we we played with everybody you know? yeah uh candiria oh sure. yeah i mean you guys were you guys were doing a lot and you did a lot in seven years we're only like yeah like were you even a band for a full decade with one thing down i don't even know man it just it just seems like a blur it simultaneously seems like a half hour and 50 years yeah you know that's crazy and we, and we toured all the time as well yeah, yeah and um how old were you in that like when you started that band uh let me think i was actually the second uh vocalist the first vocal the first vocalist was one of my best friends uh from back in the day his name is bill brown he lives in the pacific northwest now um so yeah i took over i think it was around 94 yeah because i I wrote a lot of this revenge in 94 and then uh we tracked it and released it in 95 I don't know, it was all a blur. But yeah, it was it was mid nineties for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, 18, so you're a teenager. 1890s. <clears throat> and then I think, yeah, I'm somewhere in my teens, late teens. 
That's yeah, I think crazy. I wrote Blood. I think I wrote Bloodless Revenge when I was seventeen or eighteen or something like that. Okay. Yeah, some some bullshit. I don't know. Like, I can I can tell you definitively that you know now I would probably have made you know quite a few different uh, creative decisions. You know. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, I think that also speaks to like that's that's why I asked you know how old you were and you know the your mindset as a young person and sure. uh, just the different angst angst that are running yeah. through you you know yeah i mean a whole, a whole lot of expressive confusion yeah yeah and i i think that's one of the beautiful things about hardcore honestly because like we we can dive back into this stuff um and like it's still relevant it's great music i still listen to i, I listen to one king down at the gym and, oh wow yeah and it's gym, gym jams <laughs> yeah dude and it and it uh it it gets me there, man. It's it's good stuff. It, um, That's amazing. Other other thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, recon. Oh sure. That that's actually news to me. I didn't know that you jammed with recon um, or wrote for recon. Like, what was your role in recon? Uh, I was a yelling person. Uh, okay. We uh, we tracked an EP uh, called Hell, mm -hmm. and uh, and we basically just kind of tracked it on our own. And all you know, all the drums were were programmed, and uh, yeah, I didn't I wasn't really like completely pleased with my performance on that mm -hmm. on that album, but yeah, whatever. I, I it, it was what it was for the time, I guess. Uh, yeah. I was kind of definitely exploring more of a a range, you know, vocally, lyrically. Yeah. Uh, so, and that I think would you know, there are hints of like you know my more current writing style mm -hmm. in that ep so i think that um i uh i i actually had to listen to some of the take life stuff like a second time when i had first listened to it because somebody had told me that you were the vocalist yep and i was i listened to it and i was like wow he is real low yeah like you know and and it's an impressive range but like i i was like i can hear like sometimes i can hear like the the rob voice that i'm familiar with hearing but like sure i expected i expected well i mean to be honest with you i expected most precious blood because i knew that you were the you know what i mean i just and, yeah 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 and it and it it like took me by complete surprise because i mean i like it it's good but it took Thank me you. by complete surprise because i didn't know that um it, i mean i knew it was you but i just like i couldn't place it i was like that wow like what you know what i mean and then like yeah. i started hearing it in like little places here or there like if sure. there was an upward inflection in your voice or whatever yeah. i would be like ah there it is and yes. like I remember like even Googling it after I knew you were in the band. I was like, are we, my friend full of shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, is that so is that like uh, intentional? Is that on purpose? Is that like uh, or is this just because you're older and your voice is deepened? I'm like 600 years old right now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, of course. I mean, if you look at uh, let's say let's take Hatfield, for instance. Mm -hmm like like early metallica you know like, yeah um, he sounds like squeaky my man sounds like he's like 15 right right and then like towards like and justice for all you know he sounds more like a man mm -hmm. <laughs> right? yeah yeah so, uh 
so yeah i mean I, I would say like you know me being older certainly plays uh, plays a part uh but also my comfort level on the mic uh the fact that i'm better diaphragmatically supported and that i have i think more solid technique and then i know what i want out of my voice yeah uh, and then i'm you know kind of relaxed and in control enough to to achieve it uh, mm -hmm. So, I mean, in a way it is both, the answer is both. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. It is, it is both a, a stylistic uh, creative choice uh, as well as a biological, you know, byproduct. Right. Uh, well then uh, there's a lot of parts too on Merciless and Our Lady that you sound like you're straining pretty hard. Um, sure. Doing vocals like that. Is it a considerable more strain on just your throat and everything involved in general than compared to like what you're doing now? For sure. Like uh, if I, I think back on those sessions and I, you know, I wish I had known then it's, it's cliche, but I, I wish I had known then what I know now mm -hmm. about how to control my voice okay. and about, you know, how to, about how to sing, you know, more, you know, more honestly from a more kind of spoken place as strange mm -hmm. as that sounds oh yeah um, i understand what you're saying you know i'm i know how to kind of attack the open vowel sound of the word more you know in a more relaxed way uh and and i know what i want out of the studio environment mm -hmm. you know and i'm not afraid to ask for what i want now so uh, you know if conditions aren't exactly how i I want them and I'm not trying to, I'm not saying I'm a prima donna, but I'm saying is, okay, if, if I'm going to commit to a process that creates a piece of art, that's going to outlive me, mm -hmm. you know, at, at this stage, I, I feel well empowered to ask for what I want and, you know, to kind of advocate for myself and the conditions that I want so that I can uh, reach my potential creatively mm -hmm. and, and performance wise. Sure. So did you, um, did you work with a vocal coach during COVID and were you doing that like over the computer if you were that like, how, how did that all work? No, I mean, I, I saw Don, uh, for several years, uh, just before I started just before we tracked, uh, our lady okay. and then trained with him throughout, you know? And so I think my improvement, my technical improvement on mm -hmm. Merciless uh, can be credited to to Don's instruction and, you know, how he helped me understand the the mechanics, like the physiological, you know, mechanics of, of vocal work. Uh, and, you know, after even after one session with him, I felt like I had taken a quantum leap in mm -hmm. understanding. You know, I had taken myself as far as I could and I was just tired of sucking. You know, I was just mm -hmm. tired of being bad or inconsistent. Uh, and so I decided to, uh, to do something about it. So, you know, and, and after the coaching too, did you like hurt yourself less? Did you blow your voice out less? Yeah. And much depended on, you know, the quality of the monitors, uh, you know, live, the quality of the sound. Uh, and I'm of the personality that doesn't really know how to dial it back, or at least didn't know how to dial it back for the sake of the long game. 
mm-hmm. you know? So if the monitors were fucked, whatever, it's punk rock, you know, and I'm just, I was going to say, yeah, like you're, you're talking about an underground scene. So I can understand how you might get carried away live. Well, of you course. Know, yeah. And- I mean, the, the energy is there and you want to deliver and you want to like, you want to just freak the fuck out. Uh, but then you, you pay the price, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so I began to kind of meter out, you know, my, my output more judiciously uh, yeah. for the sake of, you know, maintaining the quality of my voice and the quality of the, the performance, uh, later on. I mean, and a lot of the, the issues live occurred typically within like five to seven days of beginning tour. That's like, you know, hell week mm-hmm. after that, like the voice is really well conditioned, uh, and there's, there's little that can get in my way past that outside yeah. of, you know, not like barring sickness, uh, sure. which was a, a pretty common occurrence on tour. You get sick a lot on tour. Yeah. So cool. Well, that's, that's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing all that because it's, <laughs> yeah. it, it's interesting to kind of get the inside baseball and understand like, you know, like how you approach your craft and, and I mean, even to know how seriously you take it because I think that a lot of times, um, you know, maybe not necessarily people in our scene, but uh, a lot of people would look at um, hardcore music and and just think, oh, it's just someone yelling into a mic or whatever. And it's, you know, there's right. a lot more and behind it than that. Yeah, a couple things here. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for just, you know, you grip it and you rip it. Uh, and some people have that kind of natural talent. I mean, I do not. I'm not a naturally talented vocalist. I don't have that kind of capacity to just uh, scream ad infinitum. Uh, so just like, you know, anybody would care to learn their craft to, you know, to their potential. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to do it, I'd, I'd like to do it right, uh, at least to, to some degree without, you know, either hurting myself or, you know, without betraying the hard work and effort of my bandmates who are really putting themselves into it uh, professionally and who study and who understand theory and who really train to understand their instrument and to speak a musical language. I think I owed it to them as well, mm-hmm. uh, no matter who I was, I was working with, to you know, uh, strive to kind of hone the craft, to really to take it more seriously. Uh, you know, I remember being made fun of like backstage in some venues doing like scales and vocal warmups prior to prior yeah, to a show. I'm sure. And I remember, yeah, no, this was like in the, you know, people would like trip on me, like, Hey, you know, what's this dude doing, you know, singing scales before a hardcore show. And it's like, like yeah, dude, I don't want to hurt myself. Like, Sorry. <laughs> like, like pal, let talk to me in 15 years. We'll see where we are respectively. Yeah. You know, and like it, it's amusing and entertaining, but also kind of sad to see people kind of worship, uh, I don't know, dysfunction or like, you know, for the sake of, you know, being really punk rock, what are you doing that for? No, just get out there and, you know, give it hell. It's like, you know what? Or take 10 minutes and take care of yourself. And take, and just take care of yourself. You know, uh, if, if I were the type that really gave a shit about what other people thought, like I might be inclined to just be like, Oh yeah, you're right. I'll just go and, and do it. But like, you know what? Fuck you. You know, that's yeah. which is probably one of the more punk rock things you can do is to just think for yourself and yes. do what you do what you want to do. You know, that's uh, absolutely. Yeah. But so, I mean, there's also something to be said about taking pride in your craft. And, you know, I think in hindsight now you can look back and say, yeah, I did the right thing doing, you know, like taking it seriously for longevity's sake 
and here you are you know putting out another album yeah. that you scream the entire fucking time which yes. I, I mean like when i heard it i was like this dude's been screaming for 30 years how the fuck i love it yeah <laughs> you know it, and it didn't it didn't hurt to have like a really good producer kind of in your corner yeah uh you know i you know again i can't say enough good about randy uh you know he's he's there when you need him to be there in a compassionate sense he'll push you when you need to be pushed and he has this sixth sense that tells him what you need in the moment it's incredible yeah. you know and sometimes i need to get pushed back on that's just how it is mm. you know is he a hardcore kid like you know hardcore metal guy and mm. you know he also well he's let me let me not pigeonhole him like that uh he's a musician sure yeah, yeah. i mean i mean i mean like does he he gets it though i mean i think no, he, he understands yeah. it deeply like yeah. his understanding is deep mm-hmm. uh and you know i trust him implicitly but anyway yeah that's you know back to that point yeah i mean i'm i'm still doing this mm-hmm. you know uh yes because i want to but yes also because i have to right uh there's there's just there's no stopping right you know? yeah i'm i'm gonna keep going and i'm gonna keep creating and uh you know <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely man um that's a nice full circle kind of we went back in time and then kind of brought it back uh to where we are now um i think when this album- baby hits 88 miles per hour you're gonna see some <laughs> serious shit yeah dude i think the uh i think the album's great um is translation lost records your label uh we are working together i mean drew is one of my favorite people we've we've known each other for five hundred thousand years uh and you know through through the scene in philly and through you know just through mutual friends sure Uh, and i've always wanted to work with him i've always wanted to do something on his his label and like he approached me and said okay well would you be interested in in doing the vinyl mm-hmm. on on translation loss because otherwise it was it was a self-release sure you know it was it was self-funded and we got a distribution deal through believe uh so we're thankful for that uh but then drew was like hey you want to you want to put it out on translation loss mm-hmm. like absolutely yes 100 like w- without question you know, the word yes was flying out of my mouth before he finished the question. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, you know, the the pre-order is up. Uh, if, if you go to our link tree, you'll find all mm-hmm. the all the pertinent links. It's uh, l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash take life. Okay. Uh, and you'll you'll find the the translation loss pre-order there. And we're doing a couple different uh, colors, and you know, I I beg you just go look at them they're so i'm so happy with it and so proud of it really that's awesome yeah and all the all the photography and and uh, artwork uh and concepts were mine aside from the the graphic design stuff the uh, the logo and, mm-hmm. and the layout and such uh which for you know mike Wahlberg, uh one of my one of my dearest friends uh from philly mm-hmm. uh he he is too to be credited for all of that and okay uh, yeah he he came up with the logo and the sigil mm-hmm. uh like off the top of his head cool. he's just he is an absolute monster like he's so so good at what he does i love uh, the cover and, too the, oh thank the, you yeah the cover is real cool thank you Kyle. Appreciate what's it. the meaning of that oh that's up to you really okay yeah, One of, of, course those. of course it's up to you i mean yeah i did a i did a photo set 
uh, and if you you pay attention to the chronology of the the photos, uh, it'll it'll tell you a story. Yeah, and that and that story is up to you and how it relates to your life. But yeah, I can't I can't tell you what it means to me. It would be uh, it would be a disservice. Okay, yeah. I I appreciate that. Is there a uh, is there a well? Let me put it this way: Do you plan sure. for there to be an ongoing visual aspect? to this project as well as an audio aspect is that the no, goal? There, yeah there has to be mm-hmm. there has to be yeah for sure i like that um, attitude thank you Paul. like i the, do um... i do i mean it's 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 i like that kind of stuff i like you know something that that is more of an investment that you can you know get into other than sure. just sonically you know i i think that we would probably agree that like art has so much more to offer outside of just like what you can do sonically you can articulate articulate something that kind of turns into this whole you, yeah. extension of your mind that you know yes. what i mean yeah yeah no no i no that was that was really well stated yeah i i agree with you 100 and i think that's why i was so hyped to work with drew uh mm-hmm. and mike uh and you know all the all the good people in in my corner uh because they care about quality not quantity right uh they're they're doing this as like you know they're 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 etching their name into into the cliff's edge you know they don't and they're not trying they're not trying to like write their name in the sky you know they're just Mm -hmm. uh they want to make something that's beautiful and lasting and they just you know they like i care to make an impression Mm -hmm. uh you know on whoever's paying attention just saying just for a moment in time that we were here yeah you know? and this is and this is what we were driven to do and this is what we needed to do mm-hmm. and here is a record uh so to speak of what we were doing in this moment in our lives this you know we existed and this is what we did with our time that we were given very good that's awesome that's awesome that sounds like a, a great place to stop um, you know, we brought it full circle. We have a great album. Um, I I'm actually, I'm excited to listen to the album back now with the insight. So, yes. um, I will be, um, playing a couple of the songs, uh, from the album before our conversation, sure. Sure. you know, have a little introduction and stuff. And, uh, you know, is there, uh, anything else you want to talk about or anything else you want to bring up while we're on? Uh, I mean, a couple of shameless plugs for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Plug you know, away. For, for, for the people I love the most, um, you know, my, my dearest friend, uh, his name is Frank Deloya and he runs a video game shop, a vintage video game shop in Mechanicville, New York mm-hmm. called forgotten freshness, classic gaming. Uh, and I've never met anyone who puts more into what they do than, yep. than Frank. So if you enjoy video games and fun and happiness, uh, I, I implore you to give Frank your business. All of his stuff is clean and tested and his prices are fantastic. So please like, you know, support him so he can feed his bunnies. And, <laughs> Shout out Frank and his bunnies. Dude, I appreciate um, it. I'm a super Nintendo, uh, game collector dude i'm telling you like he if he doesn't have it he'll get it yeah uh so yeah help him feed his bunnies uh rest in peace dennis hopper yay bun jovi uh and then uh, and one of one of my (laughs) best good friends vincent uh he's on he's on twitch uh go to twitch.tv slash vinnie benny 
and please support him and his endeavor to uh, to reach partner. He's well worth your time. He's incredibly funny and entertaining, and he loves what he does. And he's built a wonderful community. Is he around gaming himself? He's he's gaming, and sometimes he uh, he does like uh, you know chat, and you know he's he's got a wonderful community, a wonderful for group him. of people. Yay for the SPKs, the Sour Patch Kids, my people. Yeah. Right? Uh, and uh, actually, Frank's brother Jay does this cool thing called Dead End Threads, like clothing and, and apparel. And he does a lot of like uh, a lot of toy stuff, uh, a lot of horror stuff. And he's he's always at like horror cons. That's so cool. Dead End Threads for sure. And then we have Mr. John Torn himself, who you know is one of my dearest lifelong friends. He was in Recon with me. Uh, he now does a band called Scavengers. Uh, and uh, runs a label called Meitsuba. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's, uh, he's, I mean, all of my, my dearest friends are like, they're some of the best people you could ever know. Uh, so I'll, I'll vouch for them all day long and plug them every chance I get because they absolutely deserve you, your attention, uh, your time, your, your love, 100%. These are, these are my people. Hell yeah. Thanks, Paul. That is fantastic. Now uh, let's get to your plugs. Uh, yeah, just go to the link tree. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You put so much time into putting your friends up. Well, like, yeah, well, what they, about they, you? They deserve it. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. No. Yeah. But, but, uh, where can, like, like, where can they find you on Instagram? It's at take life HC. Is that correct? Nope. No. What is no. it? Uh, uh, take life, the band, take life, the band. Yeah, that's okay. Right. And then, uh, the same, the same handle, on twitter uh feel free to to drop a line and say what's up um if anybody wants to reach out uh my email is my name robfusco at gmail.com so like you know feel free to reach out and say what's up uh i i handle all of the the dms for the you know the the band stuff uh and yeah the you know all are welcome except neo-nazis fuck you guys well yeah yeah we, yeah none of that Nope. Um, thank you so much for uh, uh, doing this. I really appreciate it, man. It was so good to talk to you, Matt. The pleasure is mine, and uh, you know, feel free to stay in touch. Like anytime you want, just reach right out, and uh, I will, and we'll and we'll chop it up, my man.